Fathom fam, welcome to our weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. We want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go ahead and download our Church Center app. We've got lots of awesome events coming up, and we don't want you to miss a thing. You can also keep tabs on us over on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom fam Facebook group. We're going to link all those resources in the show notes, and we hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message. So let's dive in. Part two of our series, I Am. If you missed it, you can always check out the podcast. You can check out the YouTube for the first part because this really is a series. We we teach a lot of times in series, and it's like we can't fit it all in one message. And today on a shorty, I'm I'm definitely going to be flying by a a lot um, here. Uh, But last week, we, we began to explore how does God reveal himself? You see, it's impossible for us as humans to be able to know God on our own unless God chooses to reveal himself, and that is how God has chosen to do it over the course of history. He's revealed himself through creation, as Romans 1 says, and in the middle of Exodus chapter 34, right at the beginning of Exodus 34, verse 6, God actually, Moses says, I want to see your glory, we looked at last week, and God says, you can't handle that, but I'll show you my goodness, I will pass by you, and I will proclaim my name, and so we're going to pick up here in Exodus 34, Uh, six here in in just a moment. Let's go ahead and uh, dive into verse four to begin with. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Remember, these are the second tablets because Moses broke the first ones because while they were having the covenant ceremony of the Ten Commandments and, and God was coming to what's known as the Mosaic Covenant, Uh, Moses came down and realized the people were already having an affair on God. (laughs) During the middle of the marriage ceremony, they had already made an idol, and so Moses, in anger, broke the tablets. These are the second tablets. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, proclaimed his name, the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming uh, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious, or merciful and gracious God, slow to anger. This, This, again, is how God is proclaiming his character and his nature compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. How does God prove his nature? How does God prove his character? He forgives. He shows that he is compassionate by forgiving rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He is just, and therefore he punishes the children and their children for the sin of of their parents to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped him. Uh, when I was a kid, um, in particular, really pre-Jesus, uh, BC, before Christ, um, you, you might be surprised to know that your pastor had some pretty serious anger issues. Uh, and that resulted in a lot of fighting. I uh, remember one scene uh, standing on an open field. We grew up in a neighborhood with a bunch of kids. And uh, I got on, on the, the, the field, and I punched this dude right, I don't even remember what he said, I punched him right in the, the nose, he was a year or two older than me. And for the next 30 or 45 minutes, the entire other team chased me around the neighborhood, dudes that were two and three and four years older than me, 
chasing me around, trying to destroy me. I was, literally, I, I was pretty good at running back as a kid uh, in football because I was scared to death to get destroyed. And so I ran for 30 or 45 minutes, finally just ran into my room and locked the, uh, or into my house and locked the door to just be freed of this. I got kicked out of school uh, for fighting. Uh, me and my brother would fight every single day. There was a lot of anger that was showing itself in this, in this fighting and a lot of us, maybe you didn't kind of result to fighting in your anger, but maybe you've realized that your anger, oftentimes you take it out on your kids, or you take it out on your spouse, your coworkers. Uh, what we typically do is we'll mask our anger and just kind of put on the, the happy face, or sometimes we, we stuff our anger and you kind of play the game uh, that we played uh, when I was in college. I had three uh, male roommates, and that's, you know that house is gonna be disgusting, so uh, and it was, <laughs> as far as cleanliness is concerned. We played this stupid game with the trash, and it, and it filled up to the, you know, it fills up to the edge, and then that's when you take the trash out, not in our house. That is when the game started. Once it hit the edge of the trash can, we would just keep shoving it down, and whoever made the pile fall down, they had to take the trash out. I don't advise this. But we shove that down, and you know what happens. When we keep shoving it down, eventually we're gonna have a mess on our hands. And some of us, this is the story of our Anger, and a lot of us, anger is something very real in our lives, that we find ourselves stuck in the middle of, uh, of our emotions and not knowing how to deal with those. And I wanna kinda take you on a journey to get to the place of, how, how, how do we come to a place where we're not so short-fused? How, how do we get to a place where we're, we're patient? Well, I, I think we've gotta start with the character of God. God, it's stuck in the middle of God describing who he is. He says, I'm slow to anger. And most of us, honestly, we have to reevaluate our images of who God is. One of the most famous sermons of all time is a message entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by a Puritan guy back in the 1800s named Jonathan Edwards, of which we get a lot of really good theology. But the title of his sermon was so misleading Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, he, he preached it in such a monotone tone, talking about God's anger with hu, uh, humanity and their sin and rebellion for him. And while there is a number of things in there that I would agree with, some things I disagree with, I hate the title because it misrepresents God, who God tells us he is, that he's not angry, he's actually slow to anger, this phrase. And so I would encourage us to actually reevaluate how we see God. Do we see God as kind of angry, looking to strike us dead when we sin? Do we look at God in such a way that, oh man, if, if I run from him, he's just gonna strike me dead? And oftentimes we, we, we are held by images like this or maybe a hellfire and brimstone preacher who said, God's angry with you. And what God is angry at is God is angry at sin. God is angry at evil in the world. But God is loving. We see it here. He is a loyal love. He is faithful. He is merciful. How he opens the door to describe himself is compassionate. Out of his very womb, out of who he is, he brings mercy and compassion. We see it in the life of Jesus. But this phrase, slow to anger, actually, um, the, the, the Hebrew for it is erek apayim, which means long of nose. <laughs> It's kind of funny when you think about it. God's describing himself, and he says, I'm like Pinocchio. <laughs> I got a long nose, and for us in America, we're like, that makes zero sense to me, because it's a Hebrew idiom. 
You guys know what idioms are? It's not a word we use a ton, but an idiom is like uh, a chip off the old block. It's like a, a saying that we use that we as Americans know, people in our culture know. Those of you that have moved from overseas, you had to learn all these idioms. You know, one like, we got bigger fish to fry. What are we saying? It's an idiom to say there's more important things to worry about or to focus on. And here, God is using a Hebrew idiom to communicate to them about his very character, that he's long of nose. And, and just as we talked about last week, that, that in, in Hebrew, uh, the womb is actually closely connected to mercy and, and the place from which it comes from. Anger is, is deeply connected in the Hebrew understanding to the nose. And so when someone uh, was angry, like when Potiphar thought that Joseph uh, uh, was, was messing with his wife. Y'all remember that story? Some of y'all remember that story? Uh, he, 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 his nose burned hot. But God says he is long of nose. What are you saying? He's saying he's patient. He's, and most of us, when we think of, of Jesus, we might think of, oh my gosh, he was so patient. I mean, he just hung in there. People were like chastising him and whipping him and he did not defend himself. We're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is so Patient. I want to be more like Jesus. But then when we say, what do we think about God and the character of God? We think God's angry. But what we're saying through this entire series, what we're really trying to communicate is it's the same God from beginning to end. God has always been compassionate and gracious. And so we need to really evaluate how we see God's character. God responds to injustice if you, if you were to see your kid being bullied out on the playground, somebody pushing them around, or someone abusing a child, what would happen in you? Come on, a little mama bear, a little papa bear come out in you, or just straight up anger, sometimes fury. Hell hath no fury to a mom protecting her child, right? Uh, there is, is something that just burns in there because we know there's an injustice. And we have to know that God sees the same thing, but his anger is not like my anger, it's not like your anger. My anger is often self-centered, self-seeking. I wanna avenge something. God's anger is always justified, why? Because God is perfectly just in nature. In fact, justice, right and wrong, wraps itself them around God because in his very character, he is pure and perfect. Everything else falls into place off of that. He is the definition of that. He cannot, um, uh, cannot only, he, he, he must react out of justice because it's his very character and nature, unlike us. And so we've gotta understand that God's character is different than ours. He is slow to anger. So I just wanna offer, I wish we had a lot more time. Uh, jump onto the Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast this week and we'll, uh, we'll dive in deeper on this text and unpack, unpack it. But just remember this. God has been faithful to Israel for, for generations, not just for decades, for hundreds and hundreds of years, God, God, God has been patient with them. He has been slow to anger. The story of the Old Testament, often we jump in there and we're like, God, why was this vengeance? One of the, mo the most difficult things about this text is that, that God would, would, not, would count sins against the third and fourth generation. Doesn't that mean, some of you are just like, oh, that kind of makes me feel weird, what's up with that? Well, it's in the same sentence as God is describing his loving character extending to thousands, some scholars believe thousands of generations. 
So God is juxtaposing, contrasting his great love, which extends to thousands, if not thousands of generations, and his measured justice and, and wrath and his measured consequences. God is saying, hey, you need to receive consequences. It's a part of how we learn and grow. And some of you are living out those third and fourth generation consequences in your life. Let's just be honest. Because of the decisions. And so what does that actually mean? I don't know totally. But what I do know is I've seen it in your life and you've seen it in your life. Decisions and sin that your parents lived, you've had to walk through. Okay, so even if that's in the most practical way and not some, some generational curse that, that many, many believe, and, and I won't get into that today, you're living out that story of those consequences. And so I just wanna leave you with that and give you just a few thoughts here just to encourage your heart because I know here's what's gonna happen is you're this week, tomorrow, on the drive home, you're gonna be stuck in the middle of a situation uh, in which your emotions and your anger is rising up within you and you're gonna like... <laughs> What do I do? What do I do? Because most of us, we'd say, I don't want to be like short-tempered. I don't want to be angry. I want to be patient. But then where do we, how do we get there? So when you're stuck in the middle, I want you to remember this. First, I want you to remember God's patience with you. I, I have a lot of idiosyncrasies. Taryn and I were um, babysitting this, this little girl um, many years ago, right when we were, we were dating, so over 15 years ago. And... Um, we were babysitting this girl, and she goes, why do you breathe so heavy? And I was like, I have a condition. Back off. Uh, I don't have a condition. I just, it's my excuse. We, we all have these little idiosyncrasies. Uh, for, for me, I've got all kind of, I stress organized. Anybody stress organized, right? Uh, your family members, you're, if you don't know about these idiosyncrasies, um, uh, you're not paying attention because they usually annoy you, and we're patient with those. And what God is saying here is not that he's patient with our idiosyncrasies, which we have to be with one another. God is patient with our wickedness, with our downright rebellion towards him. Just like he was for Israel, God is patient with us and we must remember God's patience with us. Second Peter says this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the, the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient. Say it out loud with me. He is patient with you. Go ahead and flip it and make it personal. He is patient with me. Could, could you write down the ways that God is patient with you if you're really struggling with patience? Well, you know, as, as parents, often uh, when we first have kids, anybody with like little babies, young babies in here, Come on, you know you use your kids as an excuse for why you didn't get up early. Like, come on, you know you do. You know you do. And we can always be like, well, the baby, this. No, no. We need to not just know God's character in theory and who he is. We need to come to know it personally and thank God for his patience with us. Let's be honest, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I would encourage you when you're stuck in the middle, be able to, to recount, to write down the ways that God has been patient with you your refusal, your rebellion from him, your, your short temper, whatever it might be. Um, the second thing I want you to remember when you're stuck in the middle is remember God's timing is perfect. So many times in our life, we find ourselves actually building unspoken resentment towards God because of the way our life has unfolded, particularly the timing of things. We have these expectations to the way our life will go, don't we? 
right? By this age, I'll get this promotion. I'll be making this much money. I'll have this many kids. I'll be, right? We, we just kind of have these kind of fantasy ideas of expectations that sometimes we don't speak, sometimes we do, but then we can become resentful towards God. And all this time, while we're angry at him, he is being patient with us. Remember when you're stuck in the middle that God's timing is perfect. Frankly, his timing is not ours because God is not bound to time, as the Second Peter passage says. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. Just like when you talk to your kids and they say, how long is it gonna be? And they have no concept. It doesn't matter how long you say. They have no concept of time. So we are with God. We, we, don't, we can't conceptualize timing perfect. That's why in this season of Advent, when we not only remember God's uh, first coming in the incarnation, we remember and we look forward to his second coming. That's why he's like, the Lord's not like slow, like you think he's being slow. We, don't, we can't conceptualize and understand time because God stands outside of that. So just as we are orienting ourselves around the perfection of God's character, we should put our full trust in God's very nature sovereign creator over everything. And if he can put the stars in their place, and if he can hold all of the scientific laws in place that hold, God, God holds those things together. If he can do that, then I think we can trust him of when we get the promotion. I think we can trust him for spouse in the right season and the right person. I think we can trust him with those things. Uh, finally, final encouragement, the band can come. That always shuts a preacher up. Or ideally it does. Um, the last thing I want you to remember is that God's presence and our surrender is what transforms us to be more patient. I've sat in many a small group after a, a good message or a good teaching and, and everybody said, okay, all right, well, how can we pray for you? And, and people kind of throw out this one a lot. Just, just I want to be more patient. Just, I, could, I could really use that. And it just seems like a cop-out in many ways, not lying. I just, when everybody, somebody says that, I'm like, it's kind of a cop-out. It's like, we all need to be more patient. No, 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 right? Um, but how does that happen? Do we just like start trying harder? That's what most of us do. We, we try to try to be more patient. I'm just going to try harder, try harder. But the reality is that patience, not something we just try harder at, Paul says in Galatians 5, 22, that it's among the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, love, joy, peace, and patience. It, it doesn't come from me trying harder. It comes from more of God's presence. So often we walk away from a message like this. I'm like, I'm gonna, I feel a little more pressure to be a better Christian, to be more patient. I gotta be like God. And we, we walk away feeling more pressure, but what we need is less pressure and more presence. That's the path forward to becoming. And, and so I find myself surrendered. And then the key word there is surrender. I find myself surrendering and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need to abide in you. As I abide in you, God, would you show yourself through me? What a simple prayer that would shape so much. And I think there's this beautiful thing that gets said in that Second Peter passage that I don't want us to miss today. It's, go back, go back to the second line of that, that second verse of that second Peter passage. He says, uh, the next one, yeah, the Lord is not slow to keep his promise, as some understand his slowness, instead he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. See, when we understand God's patience and his sovereignty overall, something's gonna happen in us, and we begin to get connected to the mission of God that's actually 
about others seeing his character. So I wonder if we did this today, if we just said, hey, I'm gonna surrender and let God transform me. I'm gonna invite more of his presence in my life. I'm gonna abide in his presence and let patience and joy flow out of me. I wonder if our spouse might see more of God's character in you and turn to repentance. I, I wonder if your neighbor, your coworker, through that, you being slow to anger, long of nose, just like God, if they might see a clearer picture of who God is, because many of our images that we have of God's anger actually come from people who were not patient with us, who were angry with us. So I want to pray for you, and our band's going to lead us, and we're going to have a few moments before our kids' program begins. Will you stand with me today? And I want to pray over you. Uh, Lord, you know our hearts today. You know us through and through, God. You see us right where we're at. Anger issues that we're dealing with, resentment we're feeling towards certain people. Real struggle with with patience in our life, God. But may we first of all orient ourselves around your patience with us this morning. God, I pray right now for those far from you to come home in repentance praising you and worshiping you, falling to the ground and worshiping you like Moses did, saying thank you, God, for getting a glimpse of who you are, that you were merciful and compassionate. God, I pray that you would shape us through our surrender this morning. In Jesus' holy name. Sometimes a sermon leaves you just wanting a little more. If this message has stirred a hunger to go deeper in God's word and you want to learn more about this teaching and how to practically apply it to your everyday walk, make sure to subscribe to our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. There you're going to find some great conversations between Next Steps director Christina Scott along with Pastor Kyle or another leader or guest speaker. We'll link it in the show notes for you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or feel led to recommit your life to Christ, we want to celebrate with you and talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're ready to join a group or a serve team or even to request prayer for all of these things, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you tune in again soon.